Welcome to another edition of Full Transparency with Donnie Wiggins, a podcast for entrepreneurs, but a slightly different take. I allow you to come in and have like a fly on the wall perspective of the type of conversation that I would have with some of my entrepreneurial friends and entrepreneurs that I think are doing really great things. Imagine if we were having a lunch conversation and we're just talking and I'm letting you in on that conversation. That's exactly what we're doing today on Full Transparency. I have Mr. Damian Watts in the house right now, marketing guru, marketing genius. I heard you say that you're the eight-figure creator. You know it. <laughs> How you doing, D? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am doing amazing. You traveled in from where? Dallas. You Do you live in Dallas? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. Right I was in just city. in Dallas. I had no idea. So the whole time you were working with me and uh, the Hartzogs, you were in Dallas at that time. Mm -hmm. Did y'all ever meet in person? No, nah, we've uh, we've had conversations about it though, about meeting up, and I think they got their own little podcast going right now. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. Okay, I had no idea. For some reason, I thought you were like Chicagoish. No. Huh. <laughs> Look at us. We done made some money together and still didn't know where you live. It's been that way for a long time for me. A lot of these people that I work with in Atlanta. Barely made them. Never talk, really. Yeah, that's it's the just, beauty of digital good. business. Love it. So you have been behind the scenes uh, for how long? Ooh, seven years. Seven years, mm -hmm. specifically in the digital marketing space? Specifically in the digital market. Okay. Tell, tell me, tell us, I know, but tell us a little bit about what you do. So the premise of it is, is if you have an online business mm -hmm. or an offline business, my goal is to help you get customers at scale. Mm -hmm. So my biggest difference from what I do and what other people do, I don't just manage people's account. I take it to the next level. So okay. that's why I have multiple names. People call me the millionaire whisperer, the eight-figure creator. They give me all these different nicknames because of we focus on scale. Mm -hmm. and that's my biggest unique selling proposition. Okay, break this down because um, the, the, the viewers who watch this podcast, they're new. Right. So many of them, they're, they're newer entrepreneurs. They may have some business going, but they're not all of them are not making steady income. They're just leaving their jobs. What does it mean to scale your business? Got it. So from a scalability standpoint, let's just say you're starting out brand new, right? Mm -hmm. Just trying to get into the space. What I've finally come to do um, in the past, let's call it a year and a half, is come back to the roots, mm -hmm. plant the seeds and watch it blossom. So my goal right now is really to focus on the people who don't have brands, the people who are just getting started. That's where I want to put all of my focus because I put all of my focus into scaling businesses, which is if you're, say you're making $10,000 a month, right? Mm -hmm. My goal would be to come in and help you get to 50. Mm -hmm. Once you get to 50, what's the next step? Get to 100. Mm -hmm. And then from there, try to get you to seven figures. So that's where I spent a lot of my time for the past seven years. But now it's really coming back and planting the seeds so that everyone can be successful. Why? Why the pivot? Ooh, that's a good question. When it comes to the pivot, it's one of those things where back in September, I went to Funnel Hacking Live. Mm -hmm. I saw all these people walk across stage and it dawned upon me, it wasn't that many black people, mm -hmm. right? Each and every year, it's more and more, it's starting to grow, but it wasn't that many black people walk across the stage and I couldn't figure out why. And then I forgot what it felt like to make my first $1,000 online. Like my first $10,000 online. And once I kind of took a step back and looked in the mirror, I figured, why not go and help everyone? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all the same. It's putting together a good offer, putting mm -hmm. together a good product, and having a machine behind you mm -hmm. and being consistent. And if you can do that, I believe everybody can at least be making 
$10,000 a month for sure. Yeah. But why the pivot though? Like you could still essentially help the bigger brands scale while also helping the smaller brands grow. But it sounds like you've completely shifted gears. Yeah, because I mean, there's a need for it. Um, it says lonely at the top. Well, I want to try to bring everybody up, mm -hmm. right? Because like when you think about the different, like I work in, in two worlds. When I say two worlds, I mean, I got a lot of white clients. I got a lot of black clients, mm -hmm. right? And the biggest differences that I notice from both sides is we don't have the foundation. We don't know how to run businesses. We don't know how to run operations, no systems, no nothing. And when I look over here for the nine-figure companies that we're working with, they have teams. They have teams in structure. They have all these things in place. And it gives them the ability to consistently scale, right? Mm -hmm. And when I look at all of the businesses that we work with when it comes to whether they're big brands, medium-sized brands, or small entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. we miss so many of the foundational elements. That's what causes us not to be able to scale. That's mm -hmm. what causes us not to be able to run the business effectively. Even the AFIC entrepreneurs that we've helped here in Atlanta, poor operations. Yeah. A lot of, uh, so, you know, I'm a business coach mm -hmm. and I work with a lot of clients. We have a similar target audience, right? Yep. A lot of people I have found, I don't want to say they got lucky, but they lucked their way into success. Like seriously. And what I mean by that is, um, when entrepreneurs, we look at entrepreneurs, I remember before I started making like multiple six figures and seven figures, I would look at people online and be like, oh my God, they make so, so much money. They probably have it all figured out. And I didn't feel like in the very beginning of my coaching journey, which was more than 10 years ago at this point, I didn't feel like I was qualified to work with entrepreneurs who needed things like organization and daily habits and knowing the right tasks to focus on and systems, right? I thought these multi six figure and seven figure entrepreneurs just had it all figured out and little old me wasn't qualified to work with them. But Damien, I have found that a lot of people are really good at doing a thing and they're good at getting in front of a large audience and they're good at selling that thing. But the back end of that business looks real, real, real shaky. It's brutal. It's brutal. What's the worst you've seen? Oh, that's a good question. The worst I've seen, it came from selling hot ticket items. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's the people have one or two choices. You either gonna sell hot ticket items or you're not gonna sell it, right? Mm -hmm. It all comes down to fulfillment. The worst I've seen is selling a product. For $50,000 and not being able to fulfill on it. Mm. That's the worst I've seen. So what were they doing? If they're selling it, if you were, was this someone that you were working with and you launched their ad strategy and campaign, y'all are working, they're selling, they're not fulfilling. Break down what that looked like. Have a conversation around wanting to scale the brand. Mm -hmm. Coming up with the price, the offer, et cetera. And not having the team to support it. Mm. So the biggest thing for me, and one of the biggest things that I want to talk about today is why I made the shift from having an agency to starting to partner with people. Mm -hmm. The reason I started to partner with people is because they didn't have the back end operations and systems. Yeah. But they want to pay for management, but they don't want to, like it's not, um, when people look at systems and frameworks and processes, it's more of the boring work, mm -hmm. right? They don't really want to talk about it. It's not something that they care about. It's just, what, 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 do they what do they glorify, right? Mm -hmm. It's the money, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can make the money and have a mouthpiece and sell, what do you think the person's going to do? They're always going to choose the money over 
having a, a real business. And that's what, that's why I decided to start partnering with people is because I want to help people build real businesses. And that's what I have found that in our culture, we ain't building real businesses. We just got a side job or a, a hobby that yeah. makes money. So you keep putting the emphasis on in our culture. And I heard you say earlier that you have a diverse group of, audi- of, of clients. But when I look at your social media uh, you know, presence, I only see really black people. Why? Uh, that's, that's who I want to go after for the most part from a target audience standpoint because I feel like we need the most help. Mm-hmm. Um, in our world, I, I look at our culture as a, like a blue ocean. It's a blue ocean. Everyone wants to get into it. When you look at Grand Cardone, you look at all these other people from different cultures, they come into our world. Why? It's because it's a blue ocean. Entrepreneurship in our culture really got hot and publicized, I would say, like, end of 2019, really 2020. That's when you started to see all of these people kind of just take off. And I thought that, you know, with the pandemic and things of that nature, things would slow down. I was completely wrong. It was the opposite. Everybody's stuck in the house. Everybody's behind the computer and the opportunities just kind of evolved. And that's when you see like him 500, for example, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know who he was until he got referred into our, into our ecosystem. But from 2020 to now you can't even say credit without saying his name, Mm -hmm. but it was during this, when you say luck, I say it was timing. Mm, The timing was perfect for everything. Like a lot of people really, came out of their shell and, and took advantage of a, I called it a gold rush. Mm-hmm. And now when you look at the landscape of what's happening in the space, you can kind of see things are, it's a new wave coming. And this wave is, I believe is going to be brutal to the internet marketing space, especially for us as a culture, because you start talking about scamming and grifters and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. It's very easy in every space to have, every space has it, right? There's people that, are going to come into a situation and take advantage. But when I look at everything, why my social media is, is full of black people is because that that's who I want to help the most. The other Mm -hmm. side, they have like all these things already in place. They have their people who they look up to. There's no one in our space that we can really look up to who has done amazing things in the internet marketing space. I mean, you look at Jay-Z, you look at all those people, they're in the entertainment space, Mm -hmm. but our space, I don't really know of anyone. I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of service providers and entrepreneurs say, I want to serve black people because there's a deficit, there's a void in our community. And then you mention names like Grant Cardone and say, you know, saying they're taking advantage of the blue ocean. Is blue ocean code word for gullibility? Hmm. I think, it, I think that's a part of it. I mm-hmm. think that we are pretty gullible. I mean, when you look at how we sell and how we were, raised to look at specific things is either a ball player or you're an entertainer, mm-hmm. right? So what does that portray? Lifestyle. Yeah. Right. So anytime you see our culture really do hardcore marketing, you never see anything about systems building a real business. It's always look at what I got mm-hmm. and look at what you could potentially have. Mm-hmm. And I, and the crazy part is when I made that switch, I was the main reason behind a lot of this stuff, right? Millions of people, coming into their worlds, I'm selling the dream, right? And I had a conscious, like, real deep thoughts with my wife, conversations with my mentor around a purpose. I was in it for the money in the beginning, right? Getting all these people coming in. We had our conversations. We were, you know, trapped and things of that nature. It was all about the money. So we were scale, scale, scale. 
And I lost sight of, all right, we gotta, we still gotta have operations. We still gotta run this thing. Like in order to scale, you need bodies. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit easier with AI, but yeah, it, 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 it got really uncomfortable there for a while as I'm scaling these brands, watching what's happening. I started to notice a, a trend and that trend was make a lot of money or continue to take care of our people. The money always, the scale always tipped towards the money side. Mm-hmm. The people got left out. So you're starting to notice right now there's a huge shift in the market where the people who are focusing on the fulfillment and the customers, they're the ones who are winning. Everyone else mm-hmm. is scrambling, jumping to the next best thing. AI is now, you know, on the on a rampage and you'll start you you will start to see more and more people talk about that because what they're currently doing is not going to continue to work. Mm. So if I go to your social media and I see you 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 portray a lot of your business, your mm-hmm. clients, um, your family, and I'm hearing this, uh, I'm for the culture, I'm this, that, and the other, and I think you know where I'm going with this. I see the, the actively black gear that you're wearing right now, and I watch this episode and I go to your page and I see that you're, you, you're married to a non-black woman, right? What's that conversation like talking to a non-black woman? You said you talked to her about where you were going in your business. How do you talk to a non-black woman about really improving the black community and entrepreneurs? So... I'll just give you the backstory. I grew up in a, well, I grew up in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Moved out of the country into the city and went to an all-white school, Okay, right? So that's, that's the journey. I've been with my wife since high school. Nice. So 14 years going strong. And the big thing is I wouldn't have been with her. It, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been with her if I felt any kind of animosity, right? Okay. So from she, who? From her, okay. on her side, right? Um, the biggest thing is, I look at people for their heart, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's really what drove us to stay together. I got a lot of kickback and a lot of pushback back in high school and things of that nature, even in college. But again, the purity of her heart is really what drove me to, all right, this this is the one, yeah. right? And then the conversations that we have, she understands everything, mm-hmm. right? She understands the things that, the way people look at us. She understands the things that happens on the back end that, most people would shy away from. She's seen the racist stuff that could potentially happen and has happened. So she she gets it, right? Because mm-hmm. she's been a part of it. Okay. So the conversations that we have, they get deep. They get deep. Mm-hmm. So for her to be able to, for me to go to her and value what she's saying, she just gets it. Yeah. She understands it from a point of, I hear you, I value you, and I understand what goes on in your world. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, so we see it all the time, like with athletes or um, any type of entertainer, somebody in the professional space and their celebrity or whatever, and they draw, they, they present their, ca- their talent to a black community and they draw this money from black community and then suddenly they step out on the red carpet, they have a non-black spouse <laughs> and it's like the blogs go crazy. Like, yep. oh, you're getting all your money from the black community, but you didn't marry a black woman or you didn't marry a black man. Have you struggled with that? Like, do you struggle at all with saying I'm for the black community and what will people say? about that knowing that I chose otherwise I believe you choose who you want but it's a real question like sometimes I believe that I believe that people so it's trendy to be black absolutely and it's trendy to sell to black Mm -hmm. it's also trendy to sell black right and so a lot of times when I am working with people or even choosing someone to work with 
we really have to do our due diligence. Is this person who's preaching the for the culture message for the culture or for the trend? Yeah. And that's it's, it's funny that you say that because I've worked with quite a few people on the back end who say that they're for the culture. Right. Mm -hmm. I've seen a, a recent episode that you did with Jay. Mm -hmm. He's for the culture. Right. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing about being for the culture. What is it that you are looking to portray as far as like, so when you say my social media page, right? Sure. There's not a lot of anything really. My wife is on there, but not really, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going after a particular audience. Why am I going after a particular audience? We already talked about, but for me on my side, when it comes to really standing out and standing for something strong, it's because I'm black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know what it feels like to be, and again, like a lot of, of, a lot of the reason why I'm going back why I want to help the community so much. You don't hear me saying for the culture. Okay. You hear me saying, I come back to the people to give them the opportunity that they may not have. Mm -hmm. Right. So since the goal right now, I kind of look at myself as kind of like a Robin hood, right? I go into the other cultures, I pull the information and extract, and I bring it back to our people. Right. No, they about to eat that coming up. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I went and married somebody outside the culture. I'm working with other people in the culture. I go extract from that community and bring it back to black people. Look, that's because because right now the, the biggest thing is like education and being smart is, is becoming popular. It wasn't right. Whoa, whoa, wait. Education and being smart is becoming popular. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I don't know if I agree with that. Why not? I've been smart my whole life. This is not a new thing. And I I grew up with, are you talking about for black people specifically? Yeah. Oh, God, Damien, that hurts to hear because my whole circle are, is full of intelligent people. And not just in my circle. Obviously, the, the world is bigger than just my circle. Yep. But intelligence has always been a priority for black families. And when we say things like that, we have to be so careful because it's to say like, White people have always prioritized education. Black people have not. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that while we were being be, uh, while we were being educated, maybe in some communities, it wasn't necessarily cool to talk about it or to show how smart you were. Mm -hmm. But we've come from parents who desire us to be smart. We're smart. The people all over the world are smart. We've so invented, not most, though. We've invented so much in the world. Like, we have been smart since the beginning of time. But from a, from a portraying standpoint, when you look at the media, what does it portray? The media. Right? <laughs> so, the media portrays what they're supposed to. They mm -hmm. portray a lot of nonsense. But the media, we know, isn't necessarily in our favor. And what they show and portray isn't real. And I guess maybe you said that you grew up predominantly in a, in a white community. I grew up in a black community, but I went to predominant white schools. Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, high school was a black school, so I've seen both sides. Likewise. And I believe that I know that we have to work harder to, like, show what we're made of. I think that white people are highlighted at a much larger scale than we are for great things. And then we're highlighted for all of the negativity. But... I also know being a part of the experience of both sides, white people do just as much crime, 1, just as much drugs, just as much abuse, just as much, you know, like they call us ghetto and we live in the ghettos and we, we say they live in the trailer parks, right? I, it just is. I get where you're going. It's just when we are generalizing like that, I couldn't let that slide. No, no, no. And, and you're not <laughs> supposed to. You're not supposed to because like when I look at it, like 
being in both worlds for so long, right? Black family, being in a white community, white school, probably like a five to seven percent black black ratio from a percentage standpoint. I've seen I've seen it all, right? So when I say extract, when I say go into the you know the different communities and pull it back in, here's what I mean by it. They're doing things that we're not aware of. Sure, I agree with that. Right. Sure. So like when I talk about scale, I don't really hear a lot of people in our culture talk about scale. Mm-hmm. We talk about making money. Mm-hmm. We won't talk about building something. And, le- and I know we talk about leaving legacies and mm-hmm. building wealth, but I mean, you can't talk about building legacies and building wealth without having structure. Well, now we're having the right conversation. One thousand percent. It's not that we're not smart. It's Absolutely. just that we have absolutely been underexposed mm-hmm. and the conversations could get bigger. But once we get introduced to those conversations and we do start talking about off scale, to the races. it's off to the races. Look at us. So we talk about, um, I mean, the truth of the matter is many entrepreneurs have skipped, many black entrepreneurs just in our circle have scaled their businesses, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you look at people who are heading the Forbes list have scaled their businesses, right? Right now, Rihanna is, uh, there's two, uh, female, black female musicians that are the top two or in the top four of all entertainers worldwide. And you think about, uh, like Rihanna, she's the number one musician, highest paid musician. Beyonce is the number four highest paid musician, both from their businesses, not necessarily their music. And then somewhere in between there, I think you have like Madonna and somebody else, right? So these are women who have full, uh, they're very active in their business they have full, uh, they're fully present in their businesses. The moment, these were both girls who, when they were girls, these were both girls who started out just wanting a record deal because that's what life looked like. That's what success in the latter looks yeah. like for them growing up. And now you get exposed and guess what? We catch on. And then you get exposed to some more and you apply it and we catch on. So I love that conversation, that piece, because even scaling was new to me when I became a coach that helped people grow and scale. I didn't know what scale meant, and people still don't know what scale means. I think our responsibility is to teach that. A thousand percent. Right? And that's when I say come back when you ask me the question around why are you targeting the black community? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It's to to come back and educate. Mm -hmm. That's purely what it's about. If I want to make money, I can make money a snap of a finger at this point, mm-hmm. right? It's not about the money. It's it's. I had a conversation with my mentor about this. Again, I, t- I mentioned it earlier. Purpose. Okay. Why are you doing what you're doing? You mm-hmm. can go make money. You you can just essentially leave everybody behind and just go make all the money, right? Yeah. I used to be driven by money. I'm not driven by money anymore. When did that change? It changed. September. Last year, yeah, it, 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 it legitimately changed last year. Yeah, I had to make a conscious decision around what am I doing this for? Obviously, you do it for your family, you do it for you know your ego and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. in order for me to scale and really leave an impact, I'm gonna have to go back to the people who need it the most. Yeah, right. But what really, what really was like the the catapult for that, like? Um, did you start to go, I went through a phase last year where I just really started to feel like it's not enough. Like you get the money and we think growing up, like the money is the ceiling. That's what we're here for. But then you make the money. Was that what your experience was? Yeah. I I hit a level of depression probably in the summer of last year. Mm -hmm. Again, being motivated by money, you got the money. Now what? Right. 
So I got my kids. Everything is good there. But when it came to business, I, I wasn't being fulfilled anymore. Mm. And that's really when I the, kind of the shift started. But then in September, it kind of just struck like, all right, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So it was I got the money, made the money, mm-hmm. helped a lot of people make money. But I just wasn't being fulfilled because it, it just became the same thing over and over. Right. Mm-hmm. Person come in, help them get them to seven figures, eight figures, et cetera. They're off to the races. What about all the people? And, I, and I, it's funny because I had a conversation with, I made a post last year. I forget what it was about, but I posted a testimonial, something I'm always posting about numbers. And a lot of people, like I, I kept seeing the same thing. What about us? How can you help mm. us? And all these, I'm just like, why am I not helping why am the people? I not helping and it, it just, people. it just dawned on me. And I, I couldn't sleep at night trying to figure out like, okay, I don't want to work with everybody. Everybody isn't my ideal customer, so what can I do? Mm-hmm. I don't want to put out a course because I already know where that space is headed. So what am I going to do to come back, plant the seeds, and watch it grow? Mm-hmm. And that's when I came up with the subscription. Mm-hmm. The subscription is, well, what are the main problems that people have? It's time, it's money, um, fear. Well, if I can knock out all three, I feel like I can I can leave a pretty pretty huge impact. Yeah. Where is the core space headed? I think it's headed down a dark path, honestly. Um, When you look at kind of what's happening in the space right now, when I talked about scammers and grifters, I say this all the time. I call it fluff masters. Mm -hmm. People put it inside their programs, and it's a lot of fluff, right? Um, I do think that people mean good by it. I Mm -hmm. think that people have not been educated on how to properly educate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that if it isn't fixed, I think that, people are going to continue to lose trust. What do you think has to happen for it to be fixed? Right now, I think that's a part of the process of making people become aware mm-hmm. of what's happening in the space. And the biggest thing for me is you can't blame a, a new educator, right? You can't blame them, but you can blame the people who have put out the programs and made the money. Mm-hmm. They're not coming back to try to fix it. Right. No one is going in and upgrading the information. They just kind of let it sit. Then now you have outdated, regurgitated information that you got to worry about. Mm -hmm. But when you look at what's happening in the space, for me, most most everything is incomplete. And I talk about this a lot in my content. Everything is incomplete. They can show you they can tell you what to do, but they can't show you how to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you want that information, then you got to buy the higher ticket products. Mm -hmm. Right. But even then, it's still incomplete because most people don't have the how. Mm-hmm. They got the what. They don't have the how. And that's where I'm having a lot of problems right now just with the people that we work with. And this is why I started to partner with people. Let me show you how to build this out the proper way. So that way you have higher retention. You don't have to constantly go out and sell new people. You can just sell to people that I've already purchased from. That's the easiest Type, that's the easiest type of per- person to sell to. Sure. But are they not just essentially purchasing something that costs a little more and then costs a little more? Yeah. So like, you know, I understand the Ascension ladder, yeah. right? The Ascension ladder is, is, is important, but the way that people are thinking about it is the wrong way. They're not thinking about what's next. Okay. They're thinking about how can I make more money now? Now. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the problem is arising. Instead of thinking about the money, just put it into a situation where you're looking at it from a, what is the next thing that they're going to need? And now the Ascension ladder, again, when I compare communities, (laughs) we're learning everything from this community. Mm -hmm. 
around ascension ladder. What is the ascension ladder you got? Low ticket products all the way to hot ticket. Some people are doing the reverse model where it's hot ticket to low. But what I found with us, for me at least, and I can just speak on myself, mm-hmm. it took me a little longer to figure out how to maneuver all of the pieces than a, a, maybe a typical person who can catch, can capture and uh, get things uh, a little a little easier. For me, I wanted to, I'm just a long-term type guy. I wanted to figure out the entire puzzle, mm-hmm. right? How does this work? Why does this work in this place? And once it clicked, that's when I started to make a lot of money. Mm. Give me an example of like a client without naming any names. Yeah, for sure. And that you've partnered with and you've helped them kind of take their business. You've partnered with them. Now we've got systems. We've reorganized their offers. Like give me an idea of like what they're selling. We've got a $7 that goes to a $37. What does that look like? I'm going to run the play for you. So this one of my recent people that came in as a partner, uh, this was like nine months ago. Okay. Okay. Nine months ago, they were doing about $250,000, $300,000 a month. Mm -hmm. If you look at my post I posted yesterday, they're not $4 million a month. Mm-hmm. So what happened, right? They came to me. They had a product they were selling for 5000 bucks. It's, it's in the real estate space, mm-hmm. okay? Selling a product for 5000 bucks. They were doing 250000 300 They were missing low-ticket acquisition. They were missing a high-ticket product. And I'm really big on selling mechanisms. Mm-hmm. With those selling mechanisms, if you really want to get to scale, they all have to work in cohesion. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you talk about your low ticket products, this is what I like and this is what's working really well for us right now. We have a low ticket ebook funnel, right? Everybody's teaching you, you need an ebook, go create this, but they're not telling you why. Why aren't they telling you? Because they don't understand economics. You tell us. Right. So what the economics is, is for me, I'm spending money. And then again, I can always compare apples to apples, right? Black community, white community. I have a hard time getting people over here to spend the money because they don't understand it, right? So now I got to educate them around, here's why you need to spend more. Mm -hmm. Over here, they want to spend as much money as possible. Why? Because they understand that whoever can spend the most to acquire a customer wins, right? And that's the majority. Over here, the majority are scared to spend. Mm -hmm. So now with this low-ticket ebook funnel or physical book, you got two ways you can do it. You can do free plus shipping, or you can just do a $27 book model. Hey, hey, are you a service-based entrepreneur that helps your clients or customers get some type of result, but you're struggling to post and communicate your message on social media? You don't know how to type a caption that connects and gets people's attention and converts them from just someone who's following you on social to becoming your customer or your client? Great news is, That's my superpower. So I'm sending you three text messages every single day, excluding major holidays, directly to your phone of exactly what you need to post to get people to buy and convert them into clients and customers. All you have to do is join my program, Post to Paid, and you can do so by texting the words Post to Paid to 404-737-2767. And the best news is just $37 a month. So hurry up, send me the text. I'm looking for it now. The biggest component to that is I'm looking to break even. Most people want to make money with their books. I don't care to make money. I want to lose money. I want to get as many people through the door as possible. Where did I learn that from? Over here. Right. So when I bring it over here and say, hey, look, we're going to lose money selling this book. What happens? Either I don't want to do it because I don't want to lose money or I'll try it out 
for X amount of time before I lose my patience. Mm -hmm. So now I'm driving all these people to this book, 27 bucks. And if you understand what an order bump is, I'll break it down. An order bump is something where you try to increase your average order value, which is making more money essentially for the people who may be beginners. So with this $27 product, before they even get to what we call upsells, I want to get to at least 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. So if I can get a person to come in and take that order bump now, if it's costing me fifty dollars to What's acquire order bump, order bump, gotcha. So the order bump is essentially an additional bonus okay. to your product, right? So if I'm selling a twenty-seven dollar book, I may sell a fourteen-dollar audio version of it, right? Oh, so gotcha. it's a complimentary um, product to what it is that you're selling. I may sell a checklist or a template or a script, sure, something like that, some super low ticket. But what's happening is, is immediately after that. And I hear it in our culture all the time. You need upsells, you need down, you need down sales, right? But why? No mm -hmm. one's telling you the why. They're telling you what, but they're not telling you why. Mm -hmm. So now when I push them to a $197 or a $297 um, complimentary product, people think that it's about the money. It's not about the money. It's, it's to help with the break-even cost, mm -hmm. right? So now when a person comes through, if I spend 50 bucks on the front end to acquire a $27 product, what does that mean? That means I'm losing $23 every single time I get a person to come through. But what happens when I have that upsell? Mm -hmm. Now that 50 bucks turns into 60. So now I'm acquiring customers for 10 bucks. Okay. Right. So I'm doing that at a profit. So now I'm making money. What happens when I have the low ticket after you get there, I have a down sale. Mm -hmm. I take them to a $97 to pay. Now we in profit. Right. Now we in profit. Mm -hmm. Here's the catch. After I do that, I have another upsell. Super intriguing, super packed with value, but you can go one or two ways with it. I can take them to a subscription. I can take them to a mentorship, mastermind, et cetera. And that take rate, I'm looking for a 10% take rate. Mm -hmm. But what happens now I go from 60 bucks to a hundred bucks. So now I'm spending money on this $27 product mm -hmm. and I'm making 50 on the back end now. So now this is what gives you the ability to a customer acquire and acquire customers at scale mm -hmm. at a profit. Mm -hmm. So now I'm building a list at a profit versus, you know, most people, they run webinars and then you, you run money to the webinars in hopes to on that seven day when you have the actual webinar to make money. Yeah. Right. But what are you doing in that process? You're spending money and you're not making any money, getting all these people to build your list. So now after that upsell, that final upsell, I downsell them to a, Facebook community for $9.99, something like that, to where you get access to me, but you don't get access to me. Mm -hmm. The kicker and what makes it so special is then I take them to a high ticket product mm -hmm. immediately after. Most people just say that's the end of the journey. Me, I tell them to go book, book a call because now I have a low ticket acquisition model. So whenever we're talking about how do we get to $4 million a month, I'm acquiring mass thousands of people every single day at a profit. Mm -hmm. I have an unlimited budget. And now I'm getting this $5,000 product on the back end that's selling, I don't know, we're doing like a million dollars a month just through this book funnel. This is the client. This is the client. Yeah. Right? The person that we partner with. You tell me where does that happen? Where can I spend on a $27 product and make a million dollars in a month? It's the model, right? Mm -hmm. So now when they came to us, they had a high ticket VSL funnel. So what all that is is a video sales letter. You get them to apply. You get them to book a call. Yeah. Right? Doing 200, 250, 300,000. Now we add in this model. Now we're at 
1.5 million. Mm-hmm. Then we come over here and the most popping thing right now, my favorite business model is the challenges. Love them. Love them. Yeah. Right. Because it's a different way to educate. It's a different way to consume. It's a different way to nurture your people. I'm not a big fan of webinars anymore mm-hmm. just because we still use it. We're still going to always use it. But as far as your lead mechanism, I've shifted to challenges. Mm-hmm. I should have made the shift a long time ago. I recently bought a business back in July of 2022. I bought a challenge business because I saw where everything was headed. I saw that the education space was going to get a little bit distrusting. So I, I knew what everything was going to be happening. And when I made that switch, like we did one with, uh, with ET, right? Mm-hmm. Did a challenge, did a phenomenal with the challenge. But the big thing now is with the challenges, it's allowing us to hit seven figure days consistently every single time. And it's all about what products that you put in it. So with this particular person, we tested out multiple things. We tested out the $5,000 product. We created a new high ticket product. We're doing all of these things. And we just found that the 5,000 just works the best. And if you jam pack it with value, once we implemented challenges, that's, a, that's another $1.5, yeah. $2 million, right? So now it's just stacking and compounding all the different offers. And people tell you to start products and build a product in a digital business, but you should have multiple offers. You should mm-hmm. have multiple things going at the same time. And you, sh- you can't be scared to spend the money. Yeah. One thing that I learned um, in the last maybe two years is that our when we're looking at businesses, Uh, especially amongst the type of clients that I coach. And again, we've got a very similar audience. Um, The journey stops too soon. Way too soon. Way too soon. So it's like you've got the ebook, like you said, and you got the course and then we're done. done. So I worked with an entrepreneur in 2020, I believe, and they were making millions of dollars. I was completely blown away that this entrepreneur was making millions of dollars selling to the customer one time. And when we get into the business and now the conversation is like, yo, Donnie, how do I like I'm, I'm all over the place. How do I come in here and structure this? And, you know, how do I do this again? So for reference, they had made millions of dollars the pre like in a 12 month period, the yep. previous 12 month period. And then when it happens, sometimes the concern is like, can I do that again? Can I make this million dollars again? Or was it a fluke? And I'm like, OK. I can work with you. Let's get in here. And I'm going into the back office. The very first thing that I ask for is access to their email list. They weren't even collecting emails. <laughs> That's a whole other topic right there. They weren't even collecting emails. And I look at people today who are not collecting phone numbers the same way that I looked at people years ago that weren't collecting emails. And so now you're figuring out why you're so burnt out, why you're so stressed, why you're having to find new customers over and over and over again, why you're constantly having to tweak your digital marketing campaign because you've collected no data. How important is the data? I speak on this all the time. And even with the entrepreneurs that are that have hit the eight-figure mark that we've helped, they still don't understand the data. Mm-hmm. The data is the most important piece because, again, like you got to look at email marketing and phone numbers like an asset, right? It is your business's asset. Say that one asset. more time. It's an asset. It's mm-hmm. 1,000%. Anytime I want to make money, I look at my email list, I want to make at least $1 per person. Mm. So I want to build that email list as big as possible. Per month. Per month. Yeah. Every single month. If you're not making – so like I'm, I'm, I'm really aggressive with my marketing, right? So when you think about the email marketing list, if you're not making at least, if you have 100,000 people on that list, you're not making $100,000 from that list, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to extract and get it. Anybody that don't want to open, get off my list. Mm-hmm. Anybody that doesn't want to make a purchase, get off my list. 
People be scared to clean that list out, though. Because what if what if they were just like on vacation and traveling and they weren't checking my emails in six months? <laughs> Get off exactly. my list. <laughs> Get off the list. Right. There, there has to be a reason. And the problem is, is that everything is, um, you know, what we're being taught today is everything is salesy. We're not yeah. building relationships. We're not telling stories. We're not doing any of those things inside of the email, which makes it like the whole goal is to get them to open and click. Mm-hmm. Right. So we do a lot of split testing on that. But when you're building that asset, it's it's vital because you can do a lot of things with that asset. You can upload that asset into your ads so you can directly get to them. Um, like newsletters are extremely hot right now. If you mm. look on YouTube, people are selling newsletters for millions of dollars. Right. And how are they selling? They're based off of engagement. Mm-hmm. So most people are not going out their engagement. They're just going after the sale. You can't do that's the same thing. If I try to sell you on the first date, you're probably not going to go to first base with me. Right. right. You got to continue to build. <laughs> and again, like, right. Yeah. Some, some people, people will. will. <laughs> um, but you just have to look at it in a different perspective. And if you I look never, at it like that, you will. I never successful. thought about buying an existing newsletter. So this is like somebody has a newsletter. Maybe they're pivoting in their business, but this newsletter has like 70% open rates. I can sell that newsletter to you. 1000%. People are buying them like crazy. I'm talking, when I say mega millions, I mean, uh, there was one that sold for like 75 million and it was like 200,000 people on the list. I am missing money. I just kill newsletters. Yeah, no. Yeah. First of all, I don't love a newsletter. It's not anything that I usually tell my clients to do. And I believe that our ideal client um, and what we teach, the frameworks are based off of a version of us, right? A version of who we are, who we were, what we've overcome. I, you will never see me reading a newsletter. That's because it's not good. Mm. If I come in there and I put, here's how to make a million dollars in a month. And it's real information. It's real. That's the problem with these newsletters. That's the problem with marketing period. It's not real. It's, it's, real. it's, it's here's how I do the big fancy thing. And then when I start reading your how to's, it's like, first thing you want to do is take a course. Shut up. Give me the real, like what course? Tell me what course I need to take. And Tell complete. me what I need to do after that. Right. <laughs> and complete the course because only 7% of people complete courses. The information, let's talk about that because messaging is a huge, huge component mm-hmm. when we're talking about marketing. And for those who are just getting started, messaging is what? How would you ex- explain that? I think that when it comes to your messaging, it's a couple of things, right? Okay. It's who you are. It's how you want to be represented. And it's what people want to hear and what they need to hear. Mm, what they want to hear they want and what they need and what they need so we got to give them both got to give them both give me an example of what someone would want to hear to make a decision and what somebody needs to hear to make a decision an example would be mostly everybody they want to make money sure right so you want to learn how to make money and this is just ways that we can pull on their emotional triggers okay want to make money i got a way for you to make money now Mm -hmm. you're gonna need the how okay I can give you the how, but what do you need? You need to fix your mindset. You need to get an LLC. You need to do this. So you got to give them the how-tos and the step-by-step. Mm. So if I'm looking at a newsletter, right, for me, I'm about to start plenty of them. And this is kind of like a new game for us is build build a list as big as possible and just feed content, valuable content to them. Why am I going to do this in multiple niches? Now we have AI. Mm. So now we can speed up the process. Copy, writing copy takes forever. 
It right. Does. When you're thinking about what to say, how to say it, who you're talking to, empathy maps and building customer personas. That's a lot. Right. But now we have AI to speed up the process. So now what I'm doing on our side is since I know it's a gold rush and a gold mine, because like when you think about it, like when I, when I talk about eight figure plays, you hear me talk about it a lot. Right. You need all of this, these systems and these process and these frameworks. When I look at what people are doing, apples to apples. <laughs> I'm going to throw you an orange in a second. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, when I look and compare, what are they doing over here? And what are we not doing? Okay. Direct mail. Who talks about it in our culture? Nobody. Nobody. Why? We're not doing it. We ain't doing it. We think it's dead. We think it's dead. Is it's it not. dead? Man, Lord, no. It's like the highest open rate. Yeah, some people throw it in the trash, but that's because you got crappy Direct mail. I really only see real estate agents and maybe even loan officers, even in our community. I mm -hmm. really only see that industry going hard Why? on direct mail. Think about it. If I, so like there's different types and my mentor, I'm going through the process now as I'm even educating myself on these things. Um, just imagine this. They call it lumpy mail. Mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you take, this is what my mentor did. I love it. $10,000 inside of this package, mm -hmm. right? And send it to his ideal customer. Here you go. It's 10 bands, right? I don't want it back. All I want is 15 minutes of your time for this $10,000, mm -hmm. right? So can you imagine the shock factor? Is yep. this real? Is this, you know, right? So now you're talking about that's one version, but just from a direct mail standpoint. Wait, because for clarity, there's not yep. really $10,000 in the envelope. No, it is. Wait, what? 10 bands. Real. So Count to it, a stranger. To a stranger, complete stranger. You've seen this happen. Seen it. Somebody's marketing, direct mail marketing strategy is to actually put 10 bands in an envelope. See, I would have put like, my idea of the lumpy mail would have been to like put it on a um, flash drive or something or whatever we're using digitally just to make it lumpy because people, the idea behind lumpy mail is the fact that when people get packages, they are going to open the packages yep. that feel like they have something in it. I'm not putting 10,000. I'm going to say $10,000 inside and it's going to be a $10,000 framework. And if that framework hits you, give me 15 minutes of your time. Mm -hmm. That would essentially work too, right? I mean, 10 now, bands works, but now imagine just opening that and seeing $10,000, whether it's a $1,000, $100, whatever the case may be, my, my guy's aggressive, but just imagine, I guarantee you, I'm going to get you on the call. Yeah. Right. It's coming to my house. I have the physical address and that's the other thing that nobody talks about. When we have our opt-in pages for when we're trying to get traffic, right? Mm -hmm. We want what? Name, phone number, email. That's it. Right? <laughs> Maybe social media. For for me, now, what we're doing, I don't care to get your name, phone number, and email. I want to get your address. I want you to give me what I need, right? So I don't do free things anymore. I do mm. $1. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do I do a dollar? If I get them to do something for free and I want to sell them something on the back end, now they got to pull out their credit card after they give me their information. Yeah. What happens if I say, I'll give you all this, this free magnet or whatever the case may be for a dollar. I get them to put their information in on mm -hmm. the spot. So now that I got that first micro commitment. So it's a lot easier for a person to make that next purchase if they've already put in their credit card information and don't have to pull it back out. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you're thinking about the direct mail, Right. So I completely got off track. When you're thinking about the direct mail aspect of it and you're thinking about building this newsletter, it's all the same thing. What can I do to capture their attention as I'm building this newsletter? I'm going to be building it in the fishing niche, survival niche, mm -hmm. fitness niche. Mm -hmm. Why? 
people want to consume, right? But they gravitate towards stories. Most people don't tell their stories. Yeah. Like you hear it in, you know, I hear this. It's just ingrained in my brain at this point with Neo's story. Mm-hmm. Five for 10 jobs, did this, did this, that. So it's just, he did a really good job of ingraining the story. But nobody really talks about it. Everything is about how do we make money and how do we hustle to go and get yeah. it. But there's a different apples, apples. Or they tell their story <laughs> and they feel like telling it one time is enough. Oh, why would enough. I keep telling my story? They've already heard it. No, they haven't actually. No. Yeah. So it, it, it's important when, you, when you're thinking about the grand scheme of things. And it's just some things that, that we're learning on our side now because I'm trying to become a, I want to be the best digital marketer on the planet, mm-hmm. especially in our culture. Right. But this is why I go so hard on the apples to apples. So you're not right now. Right now. Name somebody who better than you. <laughs> Holistically, mm-hmm. I honestly don't think there's anybody. Mm. No one. OK. Right. But when you look at individualized, like maybe like a Facebook specialist or sure. a email marketing specialist, there's plenty of people out there that can do what they do. Right. I wanted to go broad for a reason because I knew that they're like, for me, the way my brain works, I like to connect the dots. And mm-hmm. if the dot is not connected, I can't go all in. Mm. Right. So I, I, you can call it perfectionism or whatever you want to call it. But I became overly obsessed with figuring out all of the pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. But we didn't have the framework or the puzzle to even begin with. So I didn't even know how to build it. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm over here, I'm like, OK, direct mail got to have email. You got to have SMS. I don't know any of this or how to do any of this uh, as far as like integrating and making it. Why? How do they talk to one another? And then I kept digging Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, just all these different platforms. How do they talk? How do they mesh? And that's when I got into the omni channel presence. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, you can do all of these things, but if you're not making them talk and you're not making them do what what they need to do, you put yourself into a bind of too much information. What does omni-channel presence mean? Got it. So omni-channel presence is simply just maximizing your visibility, mm-hmm. right? Facebook, there's that's one platform. Most people that I talk to that come into, you know, our world when it comes to it is they're either on Instagram, TikTok, or one platform. Nobody's really talking about diversification. And that's when you when you really want to scale, that's what it's going to take. Unless mm-hmm. you just have a banging offer and just really got an audience and you're good at content marketing and you're consistent. It gets really hard to scale when there's a rise of entrepreneurship. A lot more people are doing the same thing. Like now I feel like everybody's a credit expert. Everybody's a becoming a real estate expert. So yeah. and now you have AI. What I see happening right now with AI is I think that it's going to level out the playing field. Mm. So with it leveling out the playing field, what's your differentiator? And this is what people don't have figured out. And this is why, again, I want to come back and dump the roots. I'm going to show you how to figure out what's your unique selling proposition. I'm going to show you how to figure out your messaging, how to tell your story, how to do all these things. Then I'm going to give you the the blueprints. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it when you need to implement it. I talk about this on, um, I talk about it a lot now, but I have this, uh, I call it a hustler diagram, Mm -hmm. right? Since it's just, it's a term that we love to use. It's either plays or hustling, right? Right. Well, this hustler diagram you have just because I have such a wide spectrum, right? Hustler in the making. This is somebody who is zero to six figures. Mm-hmm. Okay. Digital hustler. <laughs> I say this is a person that is, they figure some things out, but six to seven figures, okay. seven figure hustler, eight figure hustler. And then I got my bona fide hustlers. I haven't figured, I haven't found anyone to take to that bona fide hustler because in our culture, because 
the type of money that you can make at the speed at which you can make it. What I found is, and really the biggest switching point when I say I made the switch was I figured out that money only amplified who people really were. For sure. Right. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't understand that. Right. When I started to see what happened once the the money started flowing in, in, I mean, you're talking about 45,000 to 25 million in like 13, 14 months. Mm -hmm. What do you think that does to a person? They feel invincible, Mm -hmm. right? Nothing can stop them. They're getting all this attention and doing all these things. But I found that there was a switch. And once I found that switch, that's what really brought me back down to a level of humbleness. Like, all right, like what, what am I really doing here? Right. So when you're talking about this hustler chart, what I found with working with these non-figure companies is the way that they run their teams, the way that they have their structure, the way that they spend their money, the way that they think is completely different, obviously, than your digital uh, hustler in the making. Right. Sure. So zero to six figures. So if I have all of the blueprints for each individual segment, where's the biggest pool, mm-hmm. right? There's not a lot of people in the seven-figure range. There's a lot of people trying to get to seven figures that's in the six- to seven-figure range. And then what's that next step for the seven-figure people? They want to get to eight figures. How can mm-hmm. I get to eight figures? So it's, when you look at it and you break it down into what's next, how can I come back to this pool of zero to six figures? It's a very big pool, and this is what I call the blue. That's the blue ocean, right? Mm-hmm. People who are trying to get into entrepreneurship, people who are trying to figure things out, what do they need and what are they missing? Mm. And I know exactly what it is. So now we're just going to come and give them everything so that I can plant the seed so they can become six, seven, eight figure earners. Yeah. And hopefully one day nine. So there's somebody who's listening to this and they're hearing all of this fast success, this big money yep. in a short condensed period of time. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that even though I teach people how to make money in a relatively quick period of time, like, uh, Many entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs work 10, 20 years before they even hit six figures, right? We're not even in the conversation of seven figures. I think that one of the reasons why the coaching space and the course space and even the hiring digital marketer space has declined significantly is because as service providers, we may not have been qualifying the purchaser. It's just here's the offer. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Well, on the flip side of that equation, you have a bunch of entrepreneurs who just hear us talking about the fast, 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 fast money. Many of us, I have clients that are making money not as fast, right? But they're still making money. They're still hitting their goals. You don't see people talk about that as much. So now they sign up with you. They want to do business with you. They see that you are the millionaire maker or the eight-figure maker. And I saw you on Donnie's podcast and you said in 15 months this happened, right? But when they come and they start to work with you, they don't understand that there were certain pieces already in place before that client even started working with you and you just amplified it. So now they begin to work with you and they're completely disappointed in the result that they're getting. They're getting a result, but they may be right now making $5,000 a month and the next month they're making $7,500 a month. But because you just said what you said, that's not enough. Yep. Talk about that. I've had that happen way too many times. When we did that million dollar a day, right, back in 2020 for him 500, right? Mm-hmm. We did the million dollar a day. I got such an influx of people coming in. I want that, mm-hmm. right? They didn't have what he had. They didn't, you know, exactly what you just said. Here's the thing about expectations. If you don't set them, 
mm-hmm. you'll you'll set yourself up for success uh, for failure. Right. right? You got to set those expectations on the front end. But the other portions of that is once I figured out all of the pieces to the puzzle, there's a certain level of confidence that was instilled in myself, my team and the people that we work with. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get that level of confidence as far as anybody and everybody coming into the game until early 2022. Mm-hmm. And this was after the apocalypse that we went through as far as tracking and attribution and things of that nature in our world. But I had to go to what is the pieces that's really moving the needle. Mm-hmm. It's offer, mm-hmm. it's position, it's price point, it's finding your, your message and your, the way that you present it. Once I figured that out, at this point, I don't care who it is. Because now I can show you how to craft your offer, mm-hmm. what to put in it, how to present it. What are all of the different selling mechanisms? And when you really think about, like you said, we're not qualifying the purchasers. I was just selling at that point. Yeah. Right. It was very easy to just sell. It was like a gold rush. Now we've had to get into the nitty gritty and we're breaking it down into segments. Mm. You've got people who are unaware. You've got people who are problem aware. You've got people who are solution aware. Mm-hmm. You've got people who are product aware. And you've got sure. people who are most aware. Yeah. When I broke it down into this five stages of awareness, it changed the game. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I have a very specific message for this person. Most people had a broad message, right? One ad going to everybody and whoever comes in and buys and, you know, clicks on the bait. I got you. Mm-hmm. When I break it down into these five different selling mechanisms and those stages of awareness. Now, all of these people here who are unaware, they don't know who you are. They don't know what you sell. They don't even know if they have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So what am I doing for this person? I'm trying to get them to click. I don't care about anything else. I'm not trying to sell you. I just want to tug on your pain points and your emotions because I know what they are based on research. Yeah. And I want you to click so that I can get you aware that you have a problem, mm-hmm. right? So let's just talk about real estate for a second. A, a reason a person wouldn't want to get into real estate is they have a fear of financial resources they have a fear of or a lack of knowledge around the space so what am i going to do in that ad to that unaware person i'm going to tell you hey you want to learn how to make some money here's an opportunity passive income all of these little trigger words that's what i'm going to have here now that they understand they have a problem now they're going to be looking for a solution Mm -hmm. right so i have I, i got a problem now i need you to tell me what the solution is i tell that person what the solution is but it's a completely different type of messaging yeah now that they have a solution I'm going to tell you the product you should go and buy. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is we're doing that here in the unaware stage. Hey, come buy my course. Right. At the wrong stage. You got to bring it up at the right time. It's the same thing with email marketing. You got to nurture these people. You got to educate them and deliver value, et cetera. So if I can guide you down this process and this journey all the way to the most aware, when a person, they understand that they have a problem. They understand that there's a solution. They understand there's a product. Now it comes down to trust. Mm Mm-hmm. Most aware. Mm-hmm. Who do I trust to go and buy this product? So what are you doing that's going to separate you? Most people don't know what their separator is. They just know they got a product and they know they want to sell it. I love that. Tell me, so how do you, you, you talked about omnipresence mm-hmm. and the importance of being basically on multiple social channels or mark, multiple digital advertising channels. How does, how does an entrepreneur decide, let's just say three, would be the minimum because that's usually where I am, like two, three. Mm-hmm. How do they decide what two to three platforms are the best platforms for them to market on? 
create content first and post on those channels. Okay. See which one gives you the most engagement, mm-hmm. which one gives you the best feedback. And that's how you can decide without spending money on the platforms. Right. But if you want to figure that out, I just tell people Facebook and Instagram is one. Okay. Right? It's the same. same it's the same thing. Right. If you really want to figure some things out, YouTube, mm-hmm. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Those would be the three that I tell people to start out with. Now, a lot of people, they just disregard Google. Not understand that Google and YouTube are the same subset. Google, every person listening to this podcast should be running one campaign on Google. Okay. It is to protect your brand. It's called a search branded campaign. So what that means is you run an ad targeting your name, mm-hmm. Donnie Wiggins, so that nobody else can go and bid on your name. It's a bidding war on Google, right? Mm. But the problem is, is that when people go and search for your name on Google, what happens? Are you popping up? Mm-hmm. Most of the time people aren't. And if they are popping up, somebody else is also bidding on your name. That's what I teach all of my people. Hey, you want to go after Grant Cardone? Go bid on his stuff, right? Go bid on terms that he speaks on. If you do that, I promise you, you're going to see sales. Mm. That's one thing that that's, that is a guarantee. I can make you some money if you have that campaign running. I love that. I love that a lot. So there are people who feel like uh, some people just have the it factor when it comes to being successful. And there really is a degree of it factor. There is some it factor. But what does the average entrepreneur who has a thousand people or less on social media, um, but they are posting, they're consistent, they've got a great product. When you're looking at partnering with them, what are you looking at specifically from them? Right now, I really care about customer fulfillment. Okay. Right. So what's your process and how are you delivering this product and what's what's the terms of you know, how long are you dealing with the person? Right now, it's all about transformation. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not focused on transformation, that's your first problem that we got to get fixed. Okay. Right. But when I'm looking at it, I want to make sure that everybody falls into the line of challenges. Okay. That's the so only everybody thing. should be doing challenges. Everybody. Even if they're a brick and mortar business. Doesn't matter. Okay. I got people that's coming to me with 50 followers right now. Okay. They need to be running challenges. Who are they doing challenges too? Is this the lead generation that's coming from the ads? It can be ads. It can be free. Yeah. All of these things. So like, this, this is why I'm so gangbusters over these challenges because it just works across the board. It doesn't matter what you're selling, yeah. right? You can sell a book. Mm-hmm. You can sell a subscription. Mm-hmm. You can sell high ticket, low to anything through this challenge model. I just recently did a challenge with a person who didn't have a product to sell. All they sold was the replay. So when we're talking about products specifically, because there's going to be somebody who's like, I have to work with him. They're watching this and they have to work with you. You're talking about solely, you work with digital product brands. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about t-shirts and sneaker companies. We do both. The brand right here. Okay. This is your client. Okay. So like, that's a a thing with the skill set. We do everything. So now, like one of my main missions, a, a part of this coming back to plant the seeds is we don't have enough black people that are marketers that understand this game. So I want to create some sort of like, you can call it a university or whatever you want to, but to just strictly teach skill sets mm. because it's a lack of, mm-hmm. I can't go and hire a hundred black people in this space. It's not where they at. Where are they, yeah. they either doing it for themselves or 
they're just unaware. Yeah. So I think like having curriculums inside of college, I'm having some conversations right now to kind of plant some of this stuff in the HBCUs due to some plugs, but that's what I'm looking for right now is if more people understand the skill set, I can't do all of this myself. Yeah. Right. If I can teach other people how to make this money and do other skill and, and learn these skill sets and these tactical tools, that's kind of like the the second phase of this growth plan that I envision. Speaking of skill set, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about like people who just made money off of their service. Uh, or their education part of their business, but they never did it. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I don't see a whole lot of digital marketers running their own ads for their own business. Thousand percent. What's up with that? Do you run ads? Yep. Okay. So you I do got it ads a, running right now. I do it at a very small scale because I'm not looking to like anytime I turn on ads, it's just it's an overflow. I'm not looking for overflow right now, right? So we have very small budget running towards views. How much is a small budget? Three thousand bucks a month. Okay. Right. Okay. So 3000 bucks a month purely on eyeballs, right? Because the one thing that people have to understand is these platforms, they all have algorithms. Mm-hmm. If you have 100 followers and you post, you, you're not going to get all 100 people to look at your stuff, mm-hmm. right? So it's a pay-to-play system. On our side, when it comes to spending this money, I'm about to get really aggressive on spending money on the message and the, and the movement that's about to happen. But most people, like when it comes to services, for me at least, I care about quality of product, right? So if you're, if you're scaling, you're going to lose some of that quality because you're going to need bodies. Mm-hmm. Problem with my world is not enough people understand how to market to us. They don't know how to speak our language. They don't, they're, not, they're not black, mm-hmm. right? So this is why they have a hard time cracking the code and getting into it unless they're pulling it off of an emotional trigger. Wait, y'all, listen. That's a really valid point. I have worked with dozens of digital marketing companies and they're copywriters, like you really, really have to get clear on who's doing the work for the brand, right? 100%. Because you're the digital marketing owner, agency owner. You don't write the copy and all that stuff. You're not writing copy. You weren't. I, I do. Okay. You I weren't do. when we were working together, mm-hmm. right? So you have to really, when you're interviewing a digital marketing agency, ask the question of, Who's doing the work? Who's doing the graphics? Who's doing the copywriting? That's really important because if you have a super, say, just urban brand, or if you want someone to be able to speak in your voice, which you should, your your messaging when you're running ads should sound like you actually wrote it and you're delivering the message, right? Well, if they've got somebody in the Philippines or Pakistan or where is another popular place that um, South America, South America, and they're writing the copy for you, Australia is another big one, and they're writing the copy for you, there are certain language nuances that will show up and it doesn't it's very inauthentic to who you are. Um, just like you'll see in Europe sometimes the, there's just like different words. So for example, in America, in the United States, we spell the word, uh, was one of the realize R E A L I Z E. Whereas in Europe, they spell it R E A L I S E. And people will either understand or, or be able to call out very quickly that you didn't write that somebody from another country wrote it, or they'll look at it and say, Oh, that's a typo. And, I, and st- either way, it's a bad look for your business. Mm-hmm. So get really, really, really clear there. I've had that happen quite a few times. Favorite mm-hmm. spelled different color. It's yeah. spelled different, like all of these differences. And again, where are the black copywriters? It's not any, it's not a really a ton. You know what's happening though? 
Um, it's not that there are not any, but everybody wants to be paid a la carte. And that's very difficult for a new business. So I have to pay the digital marketing agency a minimum of five grand a month retainer. Then I have to pay the copywriter too, because you don't have the copywriter or your copywriter doesn't speak in my voice. And now I have to hire a copywriter who wants $5,000 a month. Then the graphic designer has to be on retainer. He wants $1,500 a month. We're at almost $12,000 now just on people who are doing the work. And that doesn't even include like the commission to the company, to the digital marketing company. That doesn't include the person who's doing the email marketing. Like it gets expensive. One thousand percent. And that's that's another reason why I'm coming back with different solutions for this. I got a couple of guys right now that are pioneering black copywriters. Mm-hmm. Right. Building them up, teaching them, showing them. And again, it all comes down to the skill sets with me. This is how I, I, I flourished. I started writing a copy for the clients, mm-hmm. right? I speak in a language. I would use verbs in, in language like tap in, mm-hmm. all of these different things that made a person feel comfortable. You studied the freaking client. Yeah, 1,000%. And then talk to their audience 1, like the client would talk to their audience. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, and this is like, I would get big, big clients coming to us, right? Yeah. Hey, this brand over here, they work with Warner Brothers Studios and all these other companies, big, big, big brands but they can't get me to where I want to be. I have yeah. a great product. I have this, I have that. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. They're already making some money. They want to scale. I come in and make a couple of tweaks to the copy mm-hmm. off to the races. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to being able to create a relatable message yeah. and relatable copy. You can't be relatable if you ain't black. Right. Mm. So like, that's the one thing where it's like, and, and it's funny, like, you, you know, you brought up the wife how does she understand? Like, I'm sitting here, I'm showing like, look, these are the things that that's different. Mm-hmm. They don't understand. They really don't understand. So like now as I'm educating, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Now this again, it's just, it's just bridging the gap even more on my side. It's like, man, okay. They, they, they really don't understand. So it's safe to say you don't have wifey helping you write copy for most of your No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. As we're wrapping this up, uh, Damien, give me, give, give our audience Three of the top things that you see entrepreneurs doing wrong in their marketing effort and the type of client that needs to come holla at you. Three things that they're doing wrong. Man, I got a long list. Let me figure out which one. Give me three. Give me three. Um, Number one, they're not doing enough research on the front end around their customers, Mm -hmm. around who they truly want to go after. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use sites like, um, ask, you can use sites like, um, Google, obviously mm-hmm. you can go and do some research there, but they're not doing enough research to truly understand what the customer is feeling, Okay. how to speak to them where they are based on the five different awareness stages. Mm-hmm. So I would say number one is, is, is just a research and truly understanding who it is you're trying to serve. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, lack of consistency. Okay. Right. People don't post enough. They're afraid. Um, that would be number two. And then number three, oh, there's so many things that can go here. <laughs> number three, as far as doing wrong, they're not being original. Mm. Just copying other people's stuff. And going. I would say originality is. Originality. Okay, I know key. I said we were wrapping up, but that number two is so strong. You said they're not posting enough. People think they hire digital marketing agencies like you and you're going to put the ad sets out there and they're just going to jump. 
They don't understand the correlation and why there's there has to be a marriage between paid marketing and organic marketing. Thousand percent. Take us out on that. So when it comes to that, ooh, that's a really good one. I like to just think of your social media account as a sounding board, mm-hmm. right? You post your content there. I use that as a um, as a mechanism to let me know what I should put into paid ads. I think everybody should be running paid ads, but I also think that there's a time frame of when you need to start. Mm-hmm. How do you start? Post on your social media first. Look at the engagement. Based on consistency and frequently posting, you'll be able to figure out which one your audience resonates with. Okay. Right? When you want to bring in paid ads, the paid ads expert, take that winning ad. That would be what we call a control. Mm-hmm. You take it to the paid ads and see what happens. Right? Most of the time, there is a correlation there that if it can work on organically, it will work in paid. Sure. Now, from a conversion standpoint, getting them to buy, maybe not, right? But getting more views and getting the engagement, it will definitely happen if, if you prove it over here first. But when it comes to posting consistently, it's, it, it's so vital because nobody really talks about what happens after you start the paid ads. Mm-hmm. After you start the paid ads, what are they going to do? Most people, when you look at the buying process, it's like a 7 to 14 day unless it's an impulse buy, which would be like a pack of gum. If you need some gum, you're going to buy it right then. Mm-hmm. What they're not realizing is they're going to go and do due diligence. Mm-hmm. They're going to come to your social media page and they're going to see if you're really about that life, if you're really doing what you say that you do. Is there a correlation between the paid ad and I come to your page? Are you talking about water bottles over here and you're talking about buy my product over here? Like what, there has to be a correlation. So that's how you have to look at your paid ads and your organic is your paid ad, your paid ad is only going to amplify. Yeah. Right. So there is a correlation where when you go and buy a physical product on Amazon, what do you do? You're going to go look at the reviews. Yes. They're going to do the same thing with your social media profile. So you got to be posting and you eventually something would click if you're going after the right person. We're going to have to do a part two. <laughs> Easy. Because I have like six other questions that just derive from that one statement right there. And we are out of time. So tell our audience how to find you. And look, you can find me on social media, Damien Watts, D-A-M-I-E-N, Watts 9. That's it. What's the nine about? Football number. Okay. All right. You still holding on to that? I used to play football back in the day. <laughs> I was no. a superstar. Let me see. You were a, you were a wide receiver. You are a wide receiver, and you still running your stats. You know all your stats from high school, don't you? What tell me? What what, what was like impressive? Forty catches, a thousand plus yards. But the really most the pre- most impressive thing is I have scholarships in multiple sports. Let's get it. All right, you guys. This has been another amazing episode of Full Transparency with Donnie Wiggins. Comment below. So Damian talked about at the very end here three things that most entrepreneurs newer in the space are doing wrong. Uh, which would probably be why your ads aren't working. Comment below if you're doing one of those things that he talked about. If not, comment your biggest takeaway from today's episode. And those of you who need some marketing and you need the GOAT, the seven-figure maker, the eight-figure maker to help you out, definitely hit him up. Go visit his pages. And all of his information is going to be in the caption or the description of wherever you're watching or listening to this episode from. This is Donnie Wiggins. Don't forget, if you are looking to build out your coaching, consulting, or course business, you should hit me up for a free strategy session at sixfigureedu.com. That's the word sixfigureedu.com. But y'all right now go over there and race over to Damien and let him know what you thought about this episode today. See y'all next week.